0: Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked will the On Sports today. Be without
1: another one of their stars on Thursday night when they start their Super Bowl title defense, Lord, Patrick Mahomes has got this. Plus, what is the ceiling for the Florida State Seminoles in 2023? And speaking of 2023, will it be Mike Evans last year in Tampa Bay? I'm Peter Bukowski. Starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports. Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story.
2: This is something that you never expect on a day when the team is practicing basically at a walking pace through a 10 10 10 that really doesn't put a lot of stress on the body to have a hyperextension injury. And that is what we understand it is. How surprising is that for you?
3: yeah i mean th- this is certainly a type of practice that you don't normally see injuries and um, anybody who has been to training camp and you've you've seen a 10 10 10 practice it, it's what andy reed calls you know you you're servicing the offense and the defense um there's not contact there's no pads anything like that it's a brisk pace but like you said it's not full speed uh it's really you're just running some of the plays that are in the game plan to kind of go through it get your timing down all of those things just make sure everybody knows their role i mean it is a dress rehearsal practice and so there's no contact there's nothing nobody's trying to tackle anybody there's not nothing that's going on so yeah i mean that to have a play like this um, I mean, it's a fluke thing. It can happen any time, but, you know, it, it, this, this wasn't a type of play because Travis Helsey got hit or anything of that nature. This was just, unfortunately, um, either a foot goes down the wrong place, it slips, something can give, just give way. You never know. Um, it's, this, this is kind of a bad luck kind of thing, uh, but it couldn't, couldn't happen at a worse time for the Chiefs because when you're starting to give you 48 hours from game time, you don't have a lot of time for recovery. No,
2: and especially when we've been through this for the last six months since the Super Bowl. The offense flows through Travis, trying to supplement him with this, this slew of wide receivers to try to take up some of the slack. Your number one option has been hurt himself with a knee ailment. Kadarius uh, Tony uh, out uh, for a prolonged period of time, was back at practice in the last couple of days, uh, was limited but still there. But that that's a spot where you want to have your prime target ready I think a hyperextension is not something to sneeze at. There there can be other things. There's an MRI underway as we record this now, folks. We don't have the results of that at this point. But is it safe to say, Matt, that generally, especially with a player of this age, caution is going to win out. We're not going to see Travis Kelsey in the opener on Thursday night.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's very unlikely. Now, what I'm hearing is that this is nothing that's supposed to be serious. It's nothing that's expected to keep Travis Kelsey out long term. But you're right. I mean, the number one consideration at a moment like this is that they want to get the swelling out of the knee. And that's going to happen before they they let Travis Kelsey back onto a field. Can that happen in 48 hours? Pretty tough. I mean, that's something that's just not normal. And you're right. I mean, the the evaluation is going to be, you know, for the status of Travis Kelsey for 18 weeks of the regular season and the postseason. And given that, you know, one game is insignificant. Two games might be insignificant in that calculation. So I'm not ruling out that Travis Kelsey couldn't play Thursday night through some stroke of miracle and good fortune that it's just not nearly as bad as anybody thinks. And it was suspected at first. Um, But you got to believe that just erring on the side of caution would make it very unlikely that you see Travis Kelsey Thursday night. And I think that's the responsible
2: thing to do because this isn't about this game. This is about this season. Honestly, it's about the next couple of seasons for Travis Kelsey at his age. Anything that is significant can linger through the tail end of what could be a very long and storied career. So I, I think even more caution is probably warranted in that you have to protect Travis from himself in some cases and trying to get back out there too fast. I, I think Rick Burkholder and Andy Reid are in a good position to do that. Do you think that there's going to be pressure? And do you think that this is something that they just have to settle him down and say, listen, wait, we're going to be all right without you in the meantime?
3: Well, I'm glad you you brought that in at the end. You're just saying that you're going to have to tell Travis Kelsey to settle down because the, I think the only pressure to play Thursday for Travis is going to come from Travis. He's mm-hmm. the one that's going to want to play. I mean, look at his history. The last nine seasons, this guy has missed three games. Two of them were season finales that the starters all rested, and the other one he was on COVID reserve. This guy doesn't miss games, uh, you know, since his rookie season and the microfracture knee surgery, he has been an Ironman. So, you know, he wants to be out there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, will need to protect, probably protect him a little bit from himself. He will want to play. But if there's any chance of, of aggravating the injury, making it worse or injuring something else then yeah i i mean it's an easy choice to me i mean you shut down travis you you rely on the guys that you have backing him up with noah gray blake bell you've got matt bushman that you can activate from the practice squad i mean you've you're carrying seven wide receivers for a reason i mean if you're gonna go ahead and have a carry an extra receiver on game day and it's a red zone guy like justin ross i mean there are a lot of different options here that they have. And I, I, I'm, I'm of the philosophy that, no, oh, no, you don't risk a game like this for Travis Kelsey. Um, we'll set aside the fact that I think that the Chiefs can beat the Lions without Travis Kelsey, but uh, that's not going to be part of Andy Reid's or Rick Burkholder's evaluation. There's just going to be straight up, hey, can Travis play and should he play? And my guess is that the answer to at least one of those questions, if not both will probably be no. And so we'll talk about how the offense shifts here coming up in a little bit,
2: but the spotlight does now turn to both Noah Gray and Blake Bell as probably the primary backups, right? Matt bushin is likely to get elevated in this case. I do think they probably want to go in with three to Thursday night. Does that track for you as well?
3: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it's going to depend on what the game plan and the purpose was going in. I mean, if they expected to play a lot of 12 personnel and that was going to be part of the game plan, I mean, certainly, if you're going to have 13 personnel, you're you're probably going to go ahead and definitely bring up Matt Bushman, um, but you don't want to, if you've got a game plan that's pretty heavy on 12 personnel and playing two tight ends a lot, you don't want to go in with only two tight ends and then you lose one during the game and now you've really messed up your game plan. But you can rest assured. I mean, you know, the Andy Reid that we saw today in the in the press conference was an anxious Andy Reid I mean he kind of wanted to get out of there and and I'm sure that there were probably a couple of reasons one he wanted to go back and see how Travis was doing but the other thing was making you know putting getting putting together an alternate game plan without Travis Kelsey in it stay up to date all year on the Kansas City Chiefs by subscribing to
1: Locked On Sports today and Locked On Chiefs on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen coming up is 2023 the year that Florida State returns to the college football playoff. Before we get to that, though, is there trouble in paradise for the Las Vegas Raiders? Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet that $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. How about some NFL futures? The New York Giants won a playoff game last year and theoretically got better yet. They're 48 to one to win the Super Bowl behind teams like the Broncos who were flat out bad last year. You could also combine bets within the same game to make even more money. Same game parlays are a great way to enjoy any game. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer. You won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Las Vegas Raiders star pass rusher Chandler Jones took to social media to voice his frustration with the franchise about not being able to get into the team's facility to work over this past weekend. Jones is in year two of a three-year, $51 million contract and coming off one of his least productive seasons of his career. Not usually employees complaining about not working not being able to work. But this is one of those cases where it's a it's a great thing that he wanted to work. Bears rookie defensive tackle Jermon Dexter has filed a lawsuit against the Big League Advancement Fund after signing an NIL contract that snuck in a clause that Dexter would have to pay 15% of his pre-tax NFL earnings to the BLA fund. Name, image, and likeness has done a lot to empower players and compensate them more fairly for what they do. But that does not mean it is a perfect system right now. The New Orleans Pelicans may be without one of their best young players to start the 2023 season. His third-year swingman Trey Murphy III has suffered a torn meniscus in his left knee. Murphy was a finalist for the Most Improved Player Award last season. Jose Altuve may be small, but he can hit the ball a country mile The Astros' diminutive superstar hit three jacks in the first three innings on Tuesday night, which gave him four home runs in four straight plate appearances going back to Monday night. He also became the first player in Astros history to hit for the cycle and have a three home run game in the same season. In terms of marquee matchups with ranked opponents and Blue Blood programs, or at least in one case, maybe a former Blue Blood program, Florida State showed out 45 to 24 thanks to a big boost from wide receiver Keon coleman in his debut for the seminoles we have ken gibbs from locked on acc joining me now and ken finish this sentence for me this is the biggest win for florida state since who that's a tough one i
0: i'd probably say since winning the national championship and i know that a lot of people are gonna hate to hear that but the reality is um this game signifies a lot of things for florida state and it's, you know how weak ones are. You know how weak ones are. Mm-hmm. And, and listeners, I'm not disrespecting y'all in any type of way, but we know fans <laughs> and the media, is us too. We have a tendency to see that week one game. Oh, shiny, new football. This team great, this team terrible off of week one. And now people are not only saying that Florida State is back, but after... The Duke upsets Clemson. People are now saying, oh, this is FSU's conference. Nobody else is really even in the ball game. This is just their conference, and and that's all there is to it.
1: And so, okay, we, we know that that's probably not going to be the case. But right now, they look like they are at least in position to have a chance. Was that enough caveats? To yeah. be a potential college football playoff team, which would be a huge leap forward for Florida State. Let me, because you are our Locked on ACC host, zoom Mm -hmm. out for a second though, because through all of this, is this looming specter of, well, what is Florida State's future in the ACC? So if you're an ACC fan, are you going, maybe this convinces them that they can stay or is this the jumping off point that they need to say, deuces?
0: As a fan, enjoy what's going on, but there's always going to be that worry. As a fan, you're always going to have that worry of a team has vocally, openly stated they're not happy and all that. And, and so, you know, you have that worry there. But I mean, let's just be honest.
1: They've asked for an open relationship.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Fans are, fan is short for fanatic. And all of our fanatics in the ACC are, we're a little different. You know, everybody is going to believe, oh, we don't need FSU. If they don't want to be here, let them go and all that good stuff. Just pay us our half a billion dollars on the way out the door and we'll happily send you where you want to be, how you want to be there. FedEx Express you. But, I mean, that's, that's what is going on there. And I'll tell you this. From a team standpoint, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. Do not think about realignment. Do not think about playoff. Do not buy about anything other than your, quote-unquote, back. They have a huge win, and then what happens? That team shows why they aren't the team that they used to be in the past by having a lapse against a team that, objectively, there should not have been a, a close game against, and they end up losing it. So if I'm that team... If I'm Mike Norvell, my message to this team: Be where your feet are. We are one and zero. Our job next week is to go one and zero again. That's our job. It's not to get to a playoff, not to win the ACC. Is to go one and zero
1: again. It sounds like he should be hiring you right now to keep them keep them <laughs> focused. Uh, that that does I think raise the question though. The the conference realignment part of this aside, isn't the best thing that could happen to the ACC that there rises a program that can rival Clemson while Clemson is also still. Clemson, like if Clemson goes five and six or whatever, like it's not the same, but if Clemson is still Clemson and you have these other programs, North Carolina is a program on the rise as well. If if they were able to, a rising tide lifts all boats, it seems like Florida state doing well is good for everybody here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not one of those guys that, say this, that says it's good when one team is good. It's good when anybody's good. If Duke runs the table this year, that's great for the ACC. If yeah. North Carolina runs the table this year, that's great for the ACC. If Virginia Tech, NC State, Louisville, if any team that is undefeated after week one runs the table, it's great for the ACC. But speaking on Florida State in particular, they're one of the biggest brands in the nation. They're one of the most recognizable brands in the nation, so I'm not going to sit here and lie and pretend like, oh, it wouldn't matter if they go undefeated or if they go 8-4 and after this. No, it's always great to have great teams. The more we have, the better. The more the merrier. The more teams that we have that are absolutely
1: dominant outside of the conference, the better. Stay up to date all year on the Florida State Seminoles by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Seminoles on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up is Mike Evans time in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans has started his NFL career with nine straight 1,000-yard seasons in Tampa Bay. Could this be his last with the Bucs? The first thing that, that I'm going to say
4: is take it seriously. You have to take this seriously because if you pawn it off as just a tactic or just leverage or whatever you want to call it, you are going to discount Mike's desire to get a deal done and stay in Tampa. At the same time, you are going to discount your chances of being able to retain Mike Evans. And as Mike Garofolo pointed out on Good Morning Football, this September 9th deadline may mean that they're cutting off talks for good after that. Maybe not, but it is possible. You go back to what he said, you know, that you know, we have informed the Buccaneers that we will discontinue contract discussions as of September 9th, 2023. Now, most certainly, to me, this is a tactic. It 100% is. I don't care that Derek Gilmore said in the statement that it, he's informing the fans that this is not a tactic. It 100% is. but it's a tactic that puts Mike Evans and Derek Gilmore in the driver's seat of these negotiations, putting it out to the court of public opinion, putting it out to a fan base that adores and beloves Mike Evans, virtually unlike any Buccaneer we've seen before. Maybe you have Derek Brooks up there. Maybe you have Rondé Barber up there. Maybe you have Leroy Selman up there. But Mike Evans has been the most beloved Buccaneer for the better part of two decades in terms of who we've seen come and go from this organization. So you want to do everything you can to put the heat and put the pressure on Jason Light and Mike Greenberg and the Bucks as a franchise to get this deal done before this self-imposed deadline that Mike Evans' agent has put out there. Now, an unnecessary contract dispute heading into the season is going to be hanging over his head and can prove to be bad for either side. If Mike Evans goes out there and doesn't put up a, a, another 1,000-yard season, doesn't keep that streak going, that's going to hurt the negotiations. If he does go out there and put up the 1,000 yards that everybody's expecting, that's going to hurt the Bucs side of the negotiations. And they can point out, look, there were 20-some players that had a 1,000 yards last season. Mike was barely in the top 20 in touchdown receptions. Yeah, they're going to use that as a tactic because all these negotiations are are slinging mud at one another to try to get the best deal possible for either side. So both sides are going to disparage the other to try to either get more money or spend less money, however you want to look at it. But one thing that I do want to focus on real quick is... I, I know I just mentioned it's it's a this whole thing is a tactic to put the, you know, the Mike Evans and, and Derek Gilmore in the driver's seat in these negotiations with Jason Light and Mike Greenberg. But Gilmore went out of his way to compliment Jason Light and Mike Greenberg in this statement. We hope
1: ownership feels the same way. Mike Evans is still just 30 years old and receivers don't fall off the same way that running backs do post 30, though beyond 31, 32, then it starts to get a little bit murky. These things are going to change as sports science evolves. That's just the nature of sports. That being said, this all depends on what the Buccaneers want to be if they think they can quick rebuild this, if they can quick reset it, maybe, and they can bring in Kirk Cousins, or they can bring in another quarterback, Dak Prescott gets antsy in Dallas, he wants out, or Trey Lance becomes the guy in Dallas. If they can bring in a guy who can take a pretty talented roster overall and elevate them, then it makes sense to pay Mike Evans at or near the top of the receiver market. But if, They're gunning for Caleb Williams or Drake May at the end of this season. Then you move on. Now you try and get what you can for him. But if that's the way your season is trending, and it looks like that's the way their season is going to trend, then at the deadline is when you look to shop Mike Evans. Try and figure out what you can get because you can probably get more for him in season than whatever comp pick you're going to get for him. This all depends on what track they hope to take. And they have to be realistic about it soon because the trade deadline is at the end of October. So they have a fresh, precious few weeks to figure this out and they better do it in a hurry. And finally, Shannon Sharp repeatedly called Stephen A. Smith skip during his first show as Smith's counterpart on first take. So Stephen A, with a sense of humor about it, wore a name tag to day two. In Shannon Sharp's defense, He must still be disoriented from all of Skip Bayless's incessant crying over the years and having to talk over him. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, the NFL season is here. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports.